everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Los Angeles Asian American Stories, which is a new podcast brought to you by API LA. API LA is a new initiative created by the LA Mayor's Office to give voice to the concerns of the Asian American Pacific Islander community. I'm Andy Wong. I'm a journalist who writes about restaurants in Los Angeles, and I'm joined by a distinguished group of board members and task force members from API LA. Today, we'll talk to the Honorable Mayor Eric Garcetti about API LA and what it means for Los Angeles. Uh, I want to start by giving the floor to Kalika Yap, a task force member who's been really instrumental in launching this podcast. Kalika, could you quickly introduce yourself and kick this off with the first question? Sure. Hi, it's Kalika Yap, a serial entrepreneur and excited to be here with the mayor. Mr. Mayor, tell us a little bit about the API community in Los Angeles and why you feel it is important to support this community. Well, you know, this community is Los Angeles and these communities are Los Angeles because we know of the diversity that exists inside the API communities as well as throughout our city. I've tried to build something pretty simple and something very difficult. It's a city of belonging, um, one that doesn't just admire its diversity or use words like inclusion that may Im- imply somebody has power and is granting that inclusion to you. But I love the word belonging because it, uh, it implies a common ownership that we all have of this place uh, that we're either lucky enough like myself to be born in or smart enough to have moved to um, in our lifetimes, our parents, grandparents, great grandparents lifetimes. And, you know, the API communities make up now approximately 16% of our city's population. Um, It's the highest numeric API population in all of Los Angeles County, obviously, and arguably that Southern California is the largest in the country. And this county has in so many countries, the largest Burmese, Cambodian, Chinese, Filipino, Indonesian, Korean, Sri Lankan, Thai, people outside their respective home countries anywhere in the world. So LA is often seen as the second city, even including native cities in the native country. Um, And I just thought that this is a moment in which there's great, great promise and there's great, great danger. Um, I think we're seeing that. And I think that unfortunately our API community has never felt as under attack um, and as scared uh, from hate crime, uh, racism, um, you know, just, that kind of American nativism that seems to always rear its head against these communities. But also it's a time of immense promise where we're seeing opportunities to erase the things that are wrong, where sometimes AAPI communities are left out of conversations or assumed to be all rich, um, where in industries, they barely have spoken roles in our signature uh, Hollywood um, and are not in positions of power um, or visibility in other places, even in government. The way I was looking today, we've moved from 3% to about 10% representation, a little bit over 10% in LAPD, but we still have 16% of our population. I want people to see themselves, their possibilities, their sense of belonging, their dreams in the people that they see around them. And that's why, for me, it's been so important to lift up the stories, the people, and the power of the API community. So, Mr. Mayor, in terms of rising to this moment that you just spoke about, why was AAPILA created specifically, and what would you like to see it accomplish? Well, you know, the AAP community has been in many ways widely divided by dialect, by origins, by our own diversity, right? It's not a community, even if there are things that is also the the magnets that hold people together. Um, And so it's been difficult over time to sometimes find, I think, intra-Asian Pacific Islander 
solidarity, um, to have an existing platform, to be able to quickly stand up in moments of emergency, uh, to stand up to hate crimes uh, or attacks, other injustices that we see, um, you know, when there's something in a movie. Uh, increasingly, we are better organized, but I thought that Los Angeles should be the best organized. Uh, we have the biggest population. We have the broadest population. We have the most hardworking, talented, creative population. And so I wanted to kind of take this moment while I was lucky enough to be mayor of Los Angeles and build on that foundation. My, my Filipino friends know that I love the story of the pobladores, the original settlers of the Pueblo of Los Angeles, um, who came to where there was an Indian village called Yenga, our native Tongva brothers and sisters for thousands of years. But here, just footsteps from where I'm speaking to you in City Hall, um, that um, group of originally it was going to be 46 pobladores set out from what is today modern day Mexico, uh, and two of them were of Asian descent. They were misclassified as Chinese in Spanish, but they were actually Filipino. Unfortunately, it was a, a parent and child caught the smallpox. They didn't die, but they weren't able to finish the journey. Um, and to me, that was always kind of the unfulfilled metaphor of that this city and the idea of it started uh, with folks who traced their blood and ancestry to Asia but it still was always incomplete and often written out. There's a, there's a plaque that had everybody else who made it and it described that they were from Africa and America and Europe. But to me, it was a metaphor for what we've consistently forgotten to do, which is to really have a platform to elevate the concerns of today, to excavate the history of yesterday and to consecrate the spaces of tomorrow. Mr. Mary, thank you so much for that. As a Filipina, I really appreciate what you've done for our community. As part of the API LA initiative, your office has brought many organizations together. Can you tell us who they are and what the objectives will be? So we've, we are open for business to everyone. And we always want to be humble that no matter how big we make the group, I'm sure there's somebody we've forgotten. So please join us. It's not a exclusive club. It is a platform that is universal for everyone. Um, and I think it starts in many ways with not who we invite, but how we invite people, which is with language. And working together with uh, Commissioner Jessica Coloso from our Board of Public Works, my favorite board, as she likes to say, um, Executive Directive 32 recently is something I signed to make sure that there's creation of a language access plan across the board, because I don't wanna just create a great advisory board that is a platform for action uh, in one place. I want that to exist for residents in our rec and parks facilities leading up to the Olympics, for their public works, for their public safety needs, for their water and power bills and, and opportunities, and so on and so forth. So that whatever door people enter in is going to be the right one. Second though, we want the key organizations to, from the private sector, um, companies from nonprofit sector, we have folks like Gold House, Disney Apex, Twitter, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, Asian Business Association, Pacific a Consortium for Employment, Sundance Institute, Entrepreneurs Organization, Asian Pacific Islander Business Program, uh, Project by Project, uh, Filipino America Chamber of Commerce, USC AFISSA, Asian Pacific Islander Faculty and Staff Association, um, the Thai CDC, Faith and Community Empowerment, and Netflix. And we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about others that have either expressed interest or are joining us. And so I think the threefold amplify the concerns of the AIPI community. Second, increase support collaboration between people and organizations 
to support the AFP community, and three, to decrease biases and increase um, a, the, the inspiration of the AIP community by sharing AAPI stories. And I'm a very narrative-driven person. Maybe it's because I grew up here in Hollywood, but I think that what distinguishes human beings is our ability to narrate, narrate our past, narrate our present, dream about narrating the future. And so I really see this as a platform to be able to do that, again, to contain those stories we never heard, to highlight those stories we need to know, and to write the stories we want to read one day in the history books. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So in terms of amplifying these stories and telling new ones, you know, a lot of this movement that we're part of in the last year has become known as the Stop Asian Hate Movement. Mm. What do those words mean to you personally, and what do you think they mean to Los Angeles? Well, I, I love what we're seeing around the city in response to incidents of hate, which is a very broad coalition, both from within the AAPI community and in partnership with the AAPI community from allies to stand up, to speak out, to give voice to the incidents and to the reality of what it means to live as an AAPI um, Angelino. Um, Stop Asian hate is pretty straightforward means stop Asian hate. I think that we know what that racism is, what that ugly well that has been drawn from so often here in this city with arguably the largest mass lynching of Americans in history happened footsteps away from here again, um, just now across the street from where Union Station is when Chinese Angelinos were, were hung up and killed. How many Angelino children know that? And how many can tie a slur they hear, let alone an attack that they might see with what the consequence was in our early history and those lives that are no longer with us and what amazing things they and their um, offspring would have given to our city had they not been taken from us. It's about leading with love. It's about dispelling, dispelling lies. It's about uplifting the truth and meeting every untruth with truth. Um, and it's also making the not just a moral argument, but the practical argument that this is what makes a city livable and viable. We have, you know, three things that defined us in LA. It is freedom, um, it's creativity, and it's that sense of belonging. And all three of them we need to have. We need to protect each other's freedoms. We need to make sure that we nurture one another's creativity. And at the end, that we all do belong. And Stop Asian Hate is more than just stopping the hate and the hate incidents. It's about ensuring that every Angelino knows that she belongs here, that this is her city, and that we act on those values every single day. Mr. Mayor, AAPI hate crimes and bias incidents have found to be vastly underreported in general across the U.S. How can we encourage Los Angeles, Asian Pacific Islander citizens to speak up and report these incidents? When I hear this, the statistics and I see them and I track these very closely, um, through November 30th of this past year, 2021, there were 39 anti-AAPI hate crimes, 48 anti-AAPI hate incidents that were recorded. Now we know that that is a small fraction of the actual number. And it's interesting when we have in the past launched campaigns, for instance, to speak out and speak up against domestic violence. Um, or other things, and we see the quote-unquote statistics go up, I don't always look at those solely in a negative light because I know so few rapes are reported. I know that so few um, domestic violence incidents are reported quite often. And we know for sure that anti-bias 
that hate incidents are woefully underreported. I'm sure everybody that's on this podcast could tell a story of something that happened. They didn't report the police. It's like, oh, I've just come to expect that. That wasn't so bad, that one. Or of a friend who's like, well, yeah, somebody yelled something at me or attacked me, but I was too busy and I just didn't think anybody would do anything. I think one of the biggest challenges to reporting hate crime in the AAPI community is a general mistrust in government. And we've seen a rise in anti-Asian, anti-Latino immigrant sentiment from the highest level of government. Sometimes when that comes out of a place like the White House, um, it has a bullying effect on all of us. It shuts us all up. We all feel like, you know, the battered children syndrome. And ultimately, I think that overall lack of faith in government, sometimes in our leadership or, well, government's not here for me, has exacerbated that lack of trust. And so for me, it's not just how we respond in moments of hate. It's the moments in between when we really have to build trust. Trust not just that you can report hate, but trust that I'm going to take care of your kid and your language for a sports league when they're the only Cambodian-American kid uh, who wants to play baseball and your recent immigrants. Or knowing that there's sensitivities at the library um, or you can read your water and power bill. And when you have a complaint because there's a mistake on it, somebody can speak to you in, in Thai because it's not fair that you suddenly saw your water bill go up tenfold. There clearly must be a mistake. But if you can't get the language connection, you just accept it. So I think it's about responding quickly, swiftly and strongly in moments of attack. But it's also about building trust in between. So when those moments do happen, people trust to report it and ask for help. Thank you for that. So on an everyday basis, what can be done to make your community safer? Does, for example, the police plan to increase patrolling near homes and businesses in API communities? Not only do we plan to, we have, and I'd like to see it similar to what we see with the Jewish American community. My mother's uh, family is Jewish, and I know that when we see incidents or even when we have just high holidays, there's been a tradition of making sure LAPD is part of their pattern and practice, not because people have to call and beg for it. Uh, They will put a a squad car outside a synagogue. They'll have patrols around key places where Asian American and Pacific Islander communities gather important moments where we hear about incidents that needs to be just baked into the policy. So we've been trying to change that. And we've been doing that with increased patrols in places like Koreatown. Um, You know, it's critical that we work from, you know, little Bangladesh to historic Filipino town, uh, whether it's a growing Korean population in places like Porter Ranch and Northridge. Um, we have to look also at the age and language diversity of our communities and embrace the difference between elders and first generation, 1.5, second generation and more, and build up an infrastructure that is partially in the police department, but also across our city government, as I mentioned. I reestablished an office that uh, Mayor Han had started, but that got closed down, unfortunately, the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs. How could we not have an Office of Immigrant Affairs in a city uh, where 60 plus percent of us are either immigrants or the children of immigrants. Um, you know, our our uh, crisis response teams, when there's a tragedy that happens to a family, making sure that we recruit folks who are uh, from AAPI communities to go through that extensive training and to roll out when there's domestic violence incidents, uh, God forbid, homicides, when people have a fire and lose everything. These are the people who roll out to give comfort. They're the angels in the city of angels. And we're uh, making sure that API community members join and become that. 
And we're also putting it embedded in the policies of our city. A good example uh, was in 2020, uh, December 2020, when LAPD under Chief Moore um, issued a revised order of Special Order 32 that was entitled Reporting Incidents Motivated by Hatred or Prejudice. And it directed officers to complete the request for confidentiality of information form, which is not required for hate incidents, um, but now will be. The distribution of victims' assistance literature so people know that they're not isolated and that they can get help. Um, a Marcy's Law pamphlet and a request for a higher-ranking field supervisor who probably has the emotional intelligence to deal with that situation while the patrol officers can go back. Um, and just stronger reporting protocols for law enforcement. Um, you know, from our sergeant's um, daily report documenting to our watch commander forwarding things up so that we can find out quite often we, your elected representatives, don't know about these incidents unless somebody has the courage to bring it to us or if it's a high profile one. I want to be getting those reports regularly. I know council members and others do too, so that we can do those things that, that a police department is not equipped to do, that community building uh, thing that we can do full time while they're helping protect us. And then I would say last We've established our first office uh, department now on civil and human rights. It's a civil human rights and equity department. It's at civilandhumanrights.lacity.org. And I'm really excited. This is um, a civil rights department for you. It's everything from education to it will have legal um, consequence for people who experience discrimination in the workplace and other places, financial uh, accounting for this. You know, I loved reading in France when they made it, they outlawed uh, whistling at women. And there's actually a financial penalty. Women walk every single day everywhere in the world and get treated like they're objects, get whistled at. And in France, they actually made it a crime. And I, I know overnight you could never enforce the number of incidents that there are, but to start sending the message with a few, I think these things are really important. So our civil and human rights um, division uh, are is there to, sorry, um, um, department is there to make sure that people have recourse and can actually um, uh, have an advocate, can bring incidents of hate and racism to the city officially. And you can call our 311 system to report that as well. So I couldn't be prouder of the direction we're moving in to make this not just segregated off to one single department, but I'm really proud of having a single department on this, as well as demanding every one of the other 39 departments own this issue just as much. It's wonderful that you have the Civil Human Rights and Equity Department. I know Capri Maddox personally, so and so glad that she is the head of that. And besides that, you know, are there any other city officials that are doing anything actively to put an end to AAPI hate incidents and crimes? Yeah, a, a lot. Um, we are uh, it, within LAPD. I mentioned we've increased, you know, for patrols not just in places like Koreatown, but Chinatown, Little Tokyo, historic Filipino town. Um, and ranking LAPD officials, uh, like to sing out B. Germala, Chief Blake, uh, Chief Blake uh, Chow, uh, Ruby Flores, who's a commander and our DEI officer, have all been engaging the uh, Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council, um, our City Employees Association, uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, to look at what can we do long term. We've also engaged our City Attorney's Office with City Attorney Mike Fuhr, our District Attorney's Office, and George Gascon as well. Um, and and we see, um, you know, even in our youth programs and our preparations for the Olympics, which is the international event of the world, our ability to integrate this in. We're working with LA Metro uh, to make sure that our transit riders and just the reach that LA Metro has um, were part of the anti-hate PSA campaign. Um, LA for All, which is beautiful, um, wonderful art. I love New York's campaign too. 
you see Asian American Pacific Islander artists who are creating the actual content and the art for this as well. But whether it's LAX terminals, DOT buses, metro stations at our um, Bank of California Stadium, um, USC, uh, Hanmi Bank and others, you can also download these posters yourself. Just put it up in your uh, window of your of where you live or uh, where you work um, at civilandhumanrights.lacity.org. So this LA for All campaign was not just to respond to that moment, but to find all these folks uh, inside our city who can be our allies, who can be part of this coalition and who can take the ownership of this. But I'd also encourage people, don't just wait for government to do it. We're gonna give you the tools so that you can self-organize in your neighborhood, in your affinity groups, in your um, household, uh, in your schools, um, in your you know, business associations, in your nonprofit world, uh, own this and co-author it with us. We want to continue to convene, to spark it. And when you have nobody else who can get it done, government's here to help you. But we're only going to figure this out if 4 million people are part of this campaign, not just 40,000 city employees. So, Mr. Mayor, I really appreciate how in every single one of your answers, you've just mentioned multiple API neighborhoods because you understand this is what it's all about. So let's flip this to, you know, what we're trying to preserve and celebrate. Can you talk a little bit just about the range of Asian communities and cultures in L.A. and what they bring to the city? Absolutely. I mean, to me, this is the joy of growing up in this town is being able to experience that swirl of cultures. I always say you can step off a plane. It can be your first hour ever visiting L.A. And within minutes, you're going to find someone familiar who looks like you, speaks like you. Uh, there's going to be food that you know, there's going to be a language that you know, um, but you can also step right next door, probably in that same mini mall and see a culture you've never experienced before. And it's that collision of cultures. It's the, you know, the, the short rib taco when Twitter was new that suddenly pops out there that makes us love LA. It's this, I think, swirl of culture and it's the com constant recombining um, of culture that produces what makes LA so amazing. Um, I think that people recognize LA and you know it best is the best city in the world to eat in. And often we get to the culture through our, 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 our mouths and our stomachs. But I also think if you go to any small businesses, the small business community um, is really made up of immigrant entrepreneurs, Asian American Pacific Islander entrepreneurs and Latino entrepreneurs are probably responsible for 80, 90% of new businesses in Los Angeles. Um, and one of the things I love about LA is that it isn't just a bunch of the same stores you can find everywhere around the country, but you can go into communities like K-Town, you can go into communities um, like Hi-Fi, Thai-Town, and see things that are both international, but also quintessentially LA and could only be found here as well. So, um, you know, when I think about the park's finest, for instance, uh, in in Echo Park, right near the downtown by John Eric and Christine Arakelo Concordia. They, they brought Filipino flavor um, to the tradition of American barbecue, like a perfect fusion of that. And John Eric is a, a local guy. Um, he was born and raised right there in historic Filipino town. And it's the heart and soul of Los Angeles. It's a great hangout. Um, and during the pandemic, we made sure that we cared for each other. They reduced its staffing, shut down its restaurant during the pandemic. But through a combination of charitable crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, excuse me, and a really generous anonymous donor, this local business pivoted towards providing meals to frontline workers at hospitals and first responders. 
Um, I think about when I spoke at the Democratic Convention, they said, do you want to give a speech? And I said, no, let's do like stories of everyday Americans. And so Lianta, who started um, uh, All Day Baby and, and before that, Here's Looking at You, which is coming back, you know, one of my favorite restaurants um, that I hope folks will check out. I always said, be careful. She asked me, will you please tweet it all out? And I'm like, I think it's against the law for Donald Trump to promote like specific brands. So I can't too, but I can tell you, I really enjoy eating there. How's that? Um, and I loved showing her to a national audience as the face of America today and certainly the face of LA because that hustle between her and the chef who she has as her business partner and the bartender who's a Latino immigrant, it was like the swirl of like what we love about LA. Everybody's got their shot. Everybody belongs. Everybody's combining their ingredients and they're cooking up something uh, with a conscience as well. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So uh, I would love to ask, what is your favorite Filipino dish? Is it laton, pancit, adobo? I'd say pancit for sure. Uh, although, you know, Park's finest, I think, is best in combination. Not one thing. I would encourage people to actually get like the big party uh Platter, you don't have to eat there too. And one of the things still as people are going through all this pandemic is support our, our restaurants by maybe getting enough food to eat for a few days and Park's Finest. Like if you order right, you'll probably have enough food for the week. If you play your cards right. So, <laughs> Okay, so there may be guidelines about, you know, things that elected officials can or cannot promote or say about restaurants. <laughs> there are none for me whatsoever. Good. So I just want to, you know, respond to a couple of things that you said, and then we should kick it to the floor, which is just information that I think people in LA should know. You mentioned the short rib taco, yeah. uh, Roy Choi's broken bread, which I know you were a big part of the first season. Yeah. Second season just launched. It's on KCET. Everyone should go watch that and obviously support Roy in the Kogi truck. You mentioned All Day Baby, uh, Lynn Ta, after a successful crowdfunding campaign, she and Jonathan Whitener have reopened Here's Looking at You. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, which was one of the hottest restaurants a few years ago, and it's now getting the second life. So I think the thing that we're getting to is that like all these people are still out there. They're still fighting. They're still doing this. And there's a lot more work to be done. So, you know, on that note, I mean, thank you for your service to L.A. Uh, we'll miss you. Thank you for kicking this off before you leave for your next adventure. And if uh, anybody else um, on this panel has any questions, the floor is yours. I have a question, uh, Mayor. Uh, tell us uh, about your next adventure. I'd, I'd love to hear what your, uh, you know, what your approach is going to be. I know it hasn't been official yet, but I'm sure you have some thoughts. Well, I hope you've heard. I, I like to lead with my stomach, so I do plan to eat my way through India, and I hope we can maybe Andy or just with the podcast do do a, a second one from India if you guys want to. I'd be I'd love to and kind of talk about how I see LA every day in India and and the ways we can bring India back to LA. I'm so excited. And, you know, somebody said, well, are mayors qualified to be diplomats? And I said, I don't know, you can judge me. But in general, I think that that's all we do all day long, which is bringing together people with very different opinions, try to merge them all together and get positive outcomes and take all these different departments, 40 of them here in the city of LA. Now I'll have dozens of US departments whose missions abroad in India, which has traditionally been our largest embassy and um, by many counts, the largest embassy of any country in any country, uh, to be able to see in five different spots. We have four consulates, as well as in New Delhi, the capital, but in Hyderabad, Kolkata, Mumbai, um, and in Chennai, um, you know, this broad diversity, India like Los Angeles or India like API communities is not a community. It is hundreds of countries in one. And 
Um, there are 28 states and eight union territories. I hope to get to each one of them from the wet um, east of Bangladesh on the border of Burma uh, states that are you know, full of mountains and some of the wettest spots on the face of the earth um, to the deserts of Rajasthan, the, the Himalayas, Bhutan, uh, if confirmed, will also be in, in my uh, jurisdiction as well. So the country of Bhutan, and then of course the, the South and central parts of the country too. To me, I hope to bring the spirit of LA to India, which is uh, we want a better world. Uh, we don't just do things to make money, but to make a better world. Um, and I hope we can show that face of America because I think people often see a, a caricature of who Americans are. America for me is LA, right? It's this amazing diversity. It's this incredible creativity and it's this big heart. And that's what I'm going to try to bring as an ambassador um, to India. And last thing I'll say is, um, you know, I've been to India almost every decade of my life since I was a kid. Um, my college roommate, coincidentally, was just randomly assigned to me my first year of college, his father became the U.S. ambassador to India when we were um, uh, in our sophomore year. So we visited and I've stayed in the house of confirmed that I'll be living in as, as my home, this beautiful home that was designed by Edward Durrell Stone, who was supposed to do LACMA way back when. Um, he did the Kennedy Center later because Jackie Kennedy visited it when her husband was president and after his tragic assassination, wanted that architect to build the memorial performing arts space in Washington, D.C., because she had seen it in New Delhi. So, you know, these ties between our countries from things, whether it's culture, um, whether it's nonviolence uh, that Gandhi taught Martin Luther King for us to fight for human rights. There's so much deep connection. Uh, we're beloved. Uh, you poll young Indians and it's like the top country uh, that they have affinity to is the United States. Seventy plus percent of young Indians hold us in, in high regards. And when you poll Americans, we love Indians. So it's a really, I think, right moment to take the oldest democracy in the world, uh, as much as it sometimes feels like we struggle with that, uh, and the biggest democracy in the world, and to find those common values and those opportunities. So, so I invite you all over if you need to do a live podcast from Delhi too. You know, we'll have to figure it out, um, but I would love to see you and I will treasure every moment I'm there and simultaneously not be able to wait till I come back to my home, LA. Anyone else? Andy, you can tell me. I mean, you're the guy. Like, what? What should I? Where should I be eating? What dish should I be? That, it, what is that must-eat dish of this moment? I mean, there are so many, but in terms of our API community, I really love rice box right now. You should go eat their crispy pork. Yep. You should go to Spoon and Pork and eat their jackfruit. And I mean, we could go on and on. But yeah, and then go eat Sichuan food because it's really having a moment in the San Gabriel Valley right now at many restaurants. Any favorite Indian places here or South Asian? Badmash is the one that a lot of people love and I love it as well. And then sort of older school, Anurag is very good in Encino and also um, in Beverly Hills. Excellent. All right. And let's not forget to eat noodles, dumplings, whole fish, and egg rolls for Lunar New Year on February 1st. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Los Angeles Asian American Stories. You can follow APILA on Facebook at API Los Angeles and on Instagram at API underscore LA. You can also find me, Andy Wong, on Instagram and Twitter at Andy Wong NYLA. And you can find my co-host, Danica Lowe, on Instagram and Twitter at Danica Lowe. We appreciate you being part of our community.